Welcome to the My Age Podcast, a podcast that brings you conversations with people from all walks of life, using music to plot a course from their early years to how they got to where they are now. Hope you're doing well. Uh, episode 62 with... Let's get in the guest in a second because I've got a lot to say about him because he's a fantastic human. Um, you know, well, if it's your first time listening, hey, Holden, hope you're doing well. There's, you know, 61 other episodes to go back and listen to. Uh, if it's your 62nd episode, thank you for checking it out. If you sit somewhere in between, cool. Look, thanks for thanks for clicking subscribe and doing the damn thing and uh, having a listen with my mate Footy. Um, before I go into how how amazing Matthew Horovath is, um, let's yeah let's do the sponsors. Um, as always, Gringo Bandito, you like hot sauce, of course you do. Um, it's fantastic. It's it's you know it's the mother's milk. It's the lifeblood. And Gringo Bandito just happened to make some of the, like the best, not some of the best. They make the best hot sauce going around. Uh, if you're in North America or in Canada, you can buy it, you know, either directly from them at gringobandito.com or you can buy it from Amazon or, yeah, do that thing where you go into a shop and um, it's on the shelf. Like, like go to Whole Foods. I'm sure there's, whenever I've gone to a Whole Foods, it's always kicking there. Um, you know, do that thing interact with someone but if you don't want it that's cool you don't have to you can get it online um if you're in australia you can get it on ebay or you can get it from blastoffimports.com um check it out it's gross hot sauce ever literally ever it's not my opinion it's a scientific fact also uh, another sponsor look out artists first um artists first are fantastic they're they're run by a a husband wife duo down in melbourne Dave Giannis and I can't remember Dave's partner's name um, but basically the greatest shop for anything you know punk or hardcore music merchandise related that you can imagine in Australia a uh, whole bunch of cool shit there they've always got the latest fat record stuff which is always up my alley uh, the official fat records Australia webs uh, you know e-commerce store I guess same with Epitaph and a whole bunch of other really cool um, cool bands and labels you can buy shit from there. So go check that out at artistsfirst.com. And always brought to you by, well, always a part of the Podbelly Network. If you're, you know, Podbelly Network's a, a cool network of podcasts, uh, but there's also a whole bunch of really cool informational stuff. If you've got a podcast that you kind of, you know, you've got an idea for a podcast would be the better way to put it. If you've got an idea for a podcast and, you know, you want to get it from your mouth to the listeners ears via technology go there there's a whole bunch of information on you know best practices stuff to use microphones to use ways to get it online all that kind of shit you know it's fucking cool um footy let's talk about footy footy the person not the sport this this footy's better than the sport any code throw a code at me this footy's better than it um played in oh well first off owns clarity records which is one of Australia's coolest record stores. Um, does it plays in Stolen Youth? Who, yeah, he mentions how old they were. I won't spoil it, but they're a lot older than what you'd assume as a band. Um, played in God's Love of the World, Starvation. Uh, there's a band that I'm missing that I'm sure we've talked about and I can't remember. Um, but yeah, just a one of the nicest, greatest humans you'll you ever meet. Um, and it totally comes through in this conversation. There is a bit towards the end where we kind of go off track a bit. So if it seems like a whole part of a conversation was missing, it's because it was. Because 
a lot of this, like this, we recorded for about two and a half hours, and a lot of this, well, a huge chunk of it was just me and Footy catching up, talking about life, talking about, you know, being dads and all that kind of thing. So, yeah, bear with it. Um, but, yeah, I hope you enjoy it. I love talking to the guy, and I can't wait till whatever band he starts touring in again starts touring because he's fucking he's the greatest human ever um and with that oh that was me getting a message not you so just put your phone down um footy check us out on the socials my age podcast on uh well dot com i guess on facebook my age podcast and instagram my age podcast i don't use anything else because i'm too lazy i guess you know that is what it is. Um, if you think this is what episode's worth a dollar, paypal.me slash podcast. You don't have to pay. It's always going to be free. But if you think, you know what, this two-hour podcast was worth a dollar of my time, cool, fantastic. Send it through. Send five. Don't send anything. It doesn't matter. It's all good. Nothing but love. And we'll see you in the end of it. Cool. Alrighty, with me on the line, all the way from sunny Adelaide, um, I've got Footy Horvath, who you'd know from being basically the nicest guy in punk rock, Australian punk rock and hardcore, uh, Clarity Records, Crisis Alert, God's All of the World, Stolen Youth. What else am I missing? Um, Starvation was another band I Starvation? In. World's Greatest mm-hmm. Band? Were you in that? Or Greatest uh, Band Greatest in the World? Greatest Band ever. Yeah. <laughs> I was in that band. There you yes. go. That's the, that's, the, that's, the, that's the one for the true heads out there. That's it. How you been, mate? Very well, thanks, good. man, and yourself. Very good, very, very good. Keen to have this conversation. Of, yeah, no, I've, I've been a, a big admirer for a long, long time. So yeah, let's fucking kick hey, it. Uh, you going? And it's great to hear your voice. It's yeah, uh, you it's too. Been too long. Like I was actually thinking today, it's been a while since I've seen or spoken to Joel David Attenborough. There's, so yeah, I'm, yeah, it's. I couldn't even put a date on it. Like you got, I'd say it was maybe a propaganda tour. Like. A few, like a lot of years ago, did you yeah. go do a propaganda? Did um, I keep thinking stolen you to the propaganda tour. I mean, that's uh, jumping way, way ahead, but that probably would have been the last time. Yeah, I, I reckon, but I might have even actually Crisis Alert did a propaganda tour as well, and I think we may have um caught up then. Otherwise, yes. oh, there's been a bunch of times we've come up to play Sydney and yep. um. Old music for old people. Have oh, played that's or, right. Yeah. yeah, and you guys on the first propaganda tour, um, you, Josh, Laura, and April crashed at my place. Well, do you remember that? That is exactly right. And yeah. uh, you know, I, sorry to you know go into some sort of tangent. Oh, here, but, dude, tangents um, is what we do. Don't worry <laughs> about that. I was actually think trying to think of the first time I met the great man Joel David Attenborough <laughs> and. I, like I think I narrowed it down to the Gods to Love the World stayed maybe stayed with you with the Miles Away and Outbreak tour maybe on the ranch. Nah, didn't know that. Nah, I've never had Gods to Love the World over. I'm just trying to think. Mm, the fuck would it interesting. Be? Maybe not. Oh yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I was trying to think of when we first met, and yeah, I just I just couldn't. Couldn't pinpoint it because I reckon we definitely hung out before we stayed at. Oh yeah, absolutely. Your, pl- your place because with the proper Gandhi tour. I would have been down in Adelaide for Jungle Fever shows, and you yep. would have been up for Stolen Youth shows, I guess. So yep. yeah, yeah. Well, well, I'm sure we'll work it out over the course of this. So yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. So 
let's talk about your parents. You know, were they musical people? Kind of where did they where did they kind of kick off and you know and start making a making a I guess path for themselves? Um, no, they weren't musical at all. Okay, <laughs> um, they never really listened to music at home. Um, I, th- I guess I sort of discovered music on my own. Um, my parents did have record collections, but we never had working record players at home. And the way I sort of discovered music uh, was through my grandparents, actually, because okay. both of my parents worked all the time. So after school or whenever we had holidays, whatever, um, I would stay at my grandparents' place and they had like a mini record player there that only played seven inches. Okay. And, like and a little portable thing? Uh, no, it wasn't portable. Okay. Like it, yeah, it's got its own um, like speakers and everything. It, yeah. was, it was mini, but it was cool. It got me through a lot of uh, lonely times. Good. <laughs> and awesome. so, um, so back in the day, like my when my parents and th- their oh, – well, sorry, when my mum and her – brother and sister used to live there they uh you know had record collections and stuff and when they moved out of the home everything just stayed there and so i basically just used to sit and listen to records and that's how i sort of started to discover music and discover records and playing records and understanding the whole concept of it all and so this is all this is all in adelaide yeah this is all in adelaide yeah i was probably I don't know. I would have been in primary school when I started doing this. So, okay. I don't know seven, eight, sort of thing. And like, you know, far be it to me, far be it for me to assume anything, but there'd be a monstrous divide in what your grandparents were listening to con- compared to, I guess, what was going on at the time. What what kind of records do they have? Or were you listening to your? Sorry, you were listening to your parents' records that 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 were left behind. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so okay. my grandparents didn't actually have records, but yeah, right. Um, okay, like like my auntie and my mum had pretty similar uh, record, uh, like music tastes. Yep. But my uncle was a bit out, bit out there, so yeah, cool. he had some pretty interesting stuff. Like uh, when he was younger, he used to go to um, like the car boot sales and um, uh, like market fairs and stuff, and just yeah. buy secondhand records, sort of thing, and. Um, yeah, and he actually used to do quite a lot of art for uh, local bands, and um, and yeah, just like Midnight Oil, he did a single cover for them once. Oh and, wow! Uh, he ended up uh, moving to Sydney and becoming an artist for the Sydney Morning Herald. But anyway, so he had a pretty decent taste of music. So, what was, was the single he did? Do you remember? That is a very good question. <laughs> I would have to look it up. Okay. Um, yeah, but. I thought it was pretty amazing that he did that. So yeah, it is uh, absolutely yeah. is. One yeah. day I'll yeah. As this conversation goes on, I'll uh, slowly find it on Discogs. I yeah, think. cool. Fair <laughs> enough. Awesome. So, uh, like, what was was your? You said your uncle's kind of music was a bit, you know, out there. I guess compared to your mum and your aunties. What were your mum and your auntie? What was their kind of record collection consisting of? <laughs> My mum's favourite band was Sherbet. Okay, fantastic. Like, you know, <laughs> Braithway, yep. if anyone's not familiar with Sherbet. Um, you know, there was a bit of Rod Stewart in there, uh, yep. a bit of Elton John. It was, yeah, it wasn't great. Oh, it had some okay stuff. Like there was some In Excess. Like, mum, pardon me, mum loved In Excess. So okay. that was pretty cool. Yeah. And what um, about your uncle? And, 
my uncle, he had stuff like David Bowie, The Beatles, a um, bit of Kiss, uh, just trying to think, a bit of Queen. Yeah. So it was sort of on the – well, when you're younger, that stuff is sort of a little bit on the edge, especially especially oh, someone like Kiss. Absolutely, or, yeah. Yeah. A bit of Rolling Stones as well. So, so and going back to the single, he did a um, – Midnight Oil, Say Your Prayers, which is a CD single promo done in 1999. So, wow. Yeah, there we go. That's fucking cool. So, I mean, you're listening to your um, auntie and uncles and your mum's music. Were they around as well to kind of guide you through what you were listening to or it was all just dive in head first and kind of see what you can pull apart yourself? Um, no, they weren't around. Like my uncle had, had already moved to, at the time he moved to Canberra, so he wasn't around and, um, no, like I didn't really have much guidance. I just sort of dove in and just tested stuff. And, uh, and also like my dad's record collection back at home, I, I started to bring records from, um, from his, from our house. Ah, right. Um, because we didn't have a record player or anything. Yep. And I, I started to bring him to my grandparents and just started listening. Yeah, he had a bit of cold chisel. Um, there was some ACDC, but I don't let that sort of give you a, uh, a guide of what he might like because okay. that's, yeah, that was probably the good stuff. Yeah, right. Okay. There was a lot of uh, <laughs> the best of a bad bunch. <laughs> yeah. Were you drawn to, like, what would make you put a, a record on if you just found out, like, back then, if you just found a box, was like, were you going for artwork or were you looking for familiar names or what was, or you were just like literally just churning through them all? Um, familiar names I was going for and, yeah, the odd song that I'd already heard before. Okay. Um, so yeah, the like Beatles always got a big spin. Yeah. Like, they had a few singles there, and like the Twist and Shout single, I just like loved it, loved yeah. the rawness of it, and just straight up rock and roll. Yeah. Uh, to it, and um, yeah, it wasn't anything like that. Yeah, it was just mainly just diving straight in, just testing stuff, and yeah, just discovering new music fucking a that's that's unreal was, was looking back on it now do you think you're more like was there early and later beatles or was it all just kind of was it all earlier stuff like that you like um, twist and shout was obviously it was early wasn't it twist and shout was yeah. yeah 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 that was early yeah it was mainly all earlier stuff like it, there wasn't later like abbey like road the experimental era sort of stuff yeah nah, nah it was all pretty pretty just straight up rock and roll i think that's sort of the stuff that i was drawn more to with the beatles anyway like okay, rather yeah. than they're more even at an older age like even at a you know nowadays if you were to throw beatles on for whatever reason that would be yeah. your go-to yeah cool yeah yeah the early rock and roll stuff is yeah it's just simple just straight up and yeah yeah love it fuck yeah so have you got a song to kind of that kind of encapsulates that first, you know, your first well slight introduction to music and kind of something that sums up where you kind of where you were musically when you were really young. Another single I used to listen to all yeah. the time, out of pure comedy, was um, that "Shut Up Your Face" song. Are you kidding me? Because my so good, yeah. My my uncle actually showed me this when it was down from Sydney. He was like, "Have you listened to this?" Yeah, and I'm like, "No, nah, no idea what it is." And he put it on, and I thought, you know, being a young kid growing up in an in an Italian family, yep, 
it was hilarious. Like you couldn't, <laughs> yeah. you couldn't have got it any better. So, uh, yeah, I used to thrash that single all the time. And even the B side, the B side is a killer song. Um, so yeah, it would be funny to choose that, but I won't put anyone through the punishment of that. No, like, fuck yeah, we'll them. This with, is what we're going. No, yeah. if you, we'll go with it. If that's what you want to go with, let's do it, mate. Yeah, yeah. Shut up your face. Hello, I'm a Giuseppe. I got something special for you. Ready? Uno, two, three, quattro. When I was a boy, just about the eighth grade, Mama used to say, don't stay out late with the bad boys. Always shoot the pool, Giuseppe going to flunk a school. Boy, it make me sick, all the thing I gotta do. I can't get no kicks, I always got to follow rules. Boy, it make me sick, just to make the lousy bucks. Got to feel it like a fool. And the mama used to say all the time, What's the matter, you? Hey, gotta no respect. What do you think you do? Why you look so sad? It's a not so bad. It's a nicer place. I shut up your face. That's my mom. I can remember a big accordion solo. Star. Then they make a TV shows and the movies Get myself a new car But still I be myself I don't want to change a thing Still a dance and a sing I think about the mama She used to say What's the matter you? Hey, God, no respect What do you think you do? Why you look so sad? It's a not so bad It's a nicer place I shut up your face Mama, she said it all of the time What's the matter you, hey, got no respect What do you think you do, why you look so sad It's a not so bad, it's a nicer place I shut up your face That's my mom Hello everybody, that's out there on the radio on the TV land Did you know I had a big hit the song in Italy with this? Shut up your face I sing this song, all of my fans applaud, they clap their hands so good. You ought to learn that this is a song, it's a real simple. See, I sing, what's the matter you? You sing, hey, then I sing it the rest. And then at the end, we can all sing, ah, shut up your face. Okay, let's try it, really. Uno, two, three, one. What's the matter you? Hey, God, no respect. Hey, what do you think you do? Hey, why you look so sad? Hey, it's not so bad. Hey, it's a nicer place. Now I ha- I bought this seven inch recently. I'm talking like I don't know where the fuck I found it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what. Yeah, I do know what prompted me to buy it because like this was one. Yeah, this this song reminds me of like I'll cut this party up, but this song reminds me of like my like 
yeah, like it's a song that my dad would have played all the time purely because like Shut Up was the threshold of rude words you could say, but it yep. was so comical. Yeah. Who who yeah. was the um who was the singer? Do you remember off the top of your head? Yeah, uh, Joe Dolce. I think that's how you pronounce it. Dolce, Dolce. Dolce, yeah, that would be yeah. it. Yeah. But the B side, I swear, like it's called Ain't Ain't No Hurry, and it was like it was so good. And there's this middle, there's this bit like an interlude sort of bit where he's like, "Yeah, we're on the B side of Shut Up in Your Face," and <laughs> I just loved how they cut to that and. Yeah, it was. It's brilliant. That's fucking red hot. Yeah, no, I've. Yeah, I don't know why I brought it, but I've got. Yeah, I'm just looking at a picture of it now. There you fucking go. That's amazing. <laughs> so you were obviously. It's really cool that you were kind of like throw like you threw yourself into music like at a you know head on early age. What were your thoughts on musicians when you were younger? Like, did you did you think they were like, did you realize they were making it, well, somewhat of a career out of it? Or, like, did you think it was just, like, a side thing that they did? Or kind of how was your – what was your interpretation of musicians, be it, you know, anyone from Queen and the Beatles all the way through to Cold Chisel in Excess and Joe Dolce? <laughs> I guess I never really thought about it, to be honest. Okay. Like, it was all about – like, for me, it was just listening to good music and enjoying it. Yeah. Um, oh, I guess – now that, I, now that I really think about it, as I started to hit, um, you know, the sort of more embarrassing years of <laughs> yeah. music listening and I started to listen to, you know, when radio started to have a bit more of an influence and yep. and also who you're hanging out with, then I start listening to bands like East 17 and Dude. stuff like that. What, what year were you born? 84. Okay, so we're pretty similar. So, yeah, like I – yeah, I, I was – someone po- – like, I'll cut this part out because it's, it's fucking irrelevant to anyone that has no idea about it at 17. But someone posted something the other day, a picture of them, but they didn't put who it was and I looked at it and went, oh, I don't know who that is. That's E17. That's – that's yeah, I fucking – yeah, they're a, they're a massive part of my upbringing. But let me get back to you because that's what it's all about. So yeah. E17, <laughs> who else was kind of at the time you're listening to? Uh, is another band, Culture with a K. Okay. Um, don't know if you remember them. I think. What was their hit? Pretty sh- I think it was Girl Don't Be Shy was right. their hit. Right, okay. And <laughs> the reason why I bought this CD is because not only did I like Wait, the you bought the, the album or the single? No, the CD, yeah, the album. Fuck, okay, you're all in. Okay, yeah. Yeah, all in. Um, But wait for it. Yeah. It, it um not only what was the single getting thrashed on the radio, so I love the single, but this was the first album in the world to ha- to be like a multimedia um sort of okay. CD. So you put it in and you get a um a demo version of Doom and on the, like, CD. the most random thing. It was like a promotion thing. So I don't know how it's like a cross promotion thing. I have no idea why they chose how Doom got to be on this culture CD, but I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. So no, it I is. bought it that and is, I went on yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> That's fucking and so what do they sound like? To, oh, like like a pop group, like like an E17. Okay, right, right. <laughs> so like a couple of young, you know, singers. Yeah, like sing. Yeah, okay, I get you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think I, I envision like I envision for um. Yeah, sorry, you go. Yeah, I was gonna say they they're either based in Australia or 
they were from New Zealand, mo- relocated to Australia. But yeah, thought I always thought it was cool that they were an Australian group. So. All that sounds so familiar. I just can't put a um. picture. I can't put a face. <laughs> but, but like I'm envisioning, um, like four Peter Andres or something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you, you know, going back on to E17, I also had their VHS that they released around the time that um, oh, what was the album with All Right? Welcome Stowe. did that have All Right on it? Let's quickly I, Google that. Maybe, maybe not. I, I, I thought maybe the album was called All Right. But anyway, um, no, 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 I yeah, need to, so I, I need to get to the bottom of this, brother. We're gonna find this okay, one. Now. Sorry, sorry. No, <laughs> hold on. Um, no, I think it's up all night, maybe. No. Discography. Steam, maybe. No, no, yeah. No, no, it's oh no, it's all right. Sorry, hold on. What song did you say? Yeah, no, nah, it is a, it is on Walthamstow. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, right. so because I know, yeah, like, this... I, I had Walthamstow or Walthamstow, yeah. however it's pronounced. Or my sister had it, but then like that was it. Like I fell off after. I mean, it had some fucking oh. absolute bangers on it, yeah. but like nothing, nothing, like not enough to keep me interested in for the next album. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but Steam, Steam was the next one, and that was yeah. a fantastic album. Like I really uh, recommend. Well, I don't recommend it now, but at the time, <laughs> yeah, at the time, if I was, was talking to Footy in '94, that would be the that would be the fucking yeah, that would be the album. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, this. So going back to the way, way, way original question, like what I thought of musicians. So when I had this VHS of um, E17, it sort of started to click. Like you know, there's footage of them playing massive shows and you know, fil- getting filmed in like lush hotel rooms and stuff. And I thought man, that would be pretty cool, like, to, like, travel the world playing music. So I guess that was my sort of first introduction to it all. And Was the video, so, like, was the video singles or was it, like, um, you know, to use a really, really odd and out, like, odd example, was it, like, 10 Years of Fucking Up by No Effects where it was, you know, candid moments or whatever, like, and just camcorders, camcorder footage all shot together, like... What was the it concept was, behind the video? It was everything you could ever want. Oh it's got, it had, it had all, all the film clips they'd made at the time. Yep. It had interviews, live footage, um, yeah, camcorder, hand, like hand, handheld stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. That's so fucking good. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, E17. Oh, man. Wow. <laughs> what a wormhole. What a wormhole indeed. That's what we're all about. I did not expect to go into this interview to talk uh, talking about E17. That's what we're here for. It. That's what we're here yeah. for. Was there anything else that kind of was on your radar? Like, I mean, E17 was, again, that first album had so many fucking bangers on it. Never listened to Steam, but like, yeah, what else we listened to kind of around then that, you know, we can rip out of the closet? Oh. Yeah, I don't know. I yeah. think it was just sort of pre-me trying to discover heavier music. Okay. So like after that. Um, oh, before you go on then, before you go yeah, on, yeah. do you want yeah. to pick a song that kind of sums up, be it from Culture, E17, <laughs> whatever, like something that kind of sums up that part of your life? Oh, man. I'm crossing my fingers for an E17 song just as an FYI. Yeah, why not? Let's let's just go out, all out. What are we going to yeah. go? 
Let me just bring up Walthamstow because... The singles were House of Love, Gold, which yeah. I don't remember, Deep, which was a bit of a fucking, you know... The hey, did you ever see song. the film clip for Deep? Yeah. It's it's yeah. Dirty Man. Yeah, it's fucked up. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, West End Girls, which was the Be- uh, Beastie Boys, Pet Shop Boys cover. Yeah. And It's All Right, which was, you know, it's a fucking red hot jam. Yeah, well, why not just go all out and just say their singles, it's all right? Their singles, just as an FYI, span from yeah. August 92 yeah. to November 93. Wow. Like, that's a lot of singles. That's a long time to be the releasing singles from one album. So, yeah. yeah. And you know what? That When that It's All Right film clip came out, I thought that was so such a forward-thinking, like, just like, I've never seen a film clip like it. Like, it was the biggest thing in the world. Like, yeah. I don't know. It was just exciting when it came out. And I think that was half what drew me into um, that band, like, yeah. seeing that single. So. No, don't be so sad I'll be mad if you're this It's all 
Fuck can you yeah. call them a band? Sorry? I don't know if you can. Can you call them a band? Group. Let's go. Well, yeah, you'd call them a group. Because I do. Far be it for me to assume what they actually do and don't, you know, do with like as performances, but I always just assume they were singers who had maybe, you know, a producer or something and then a backing band when they played live. Yeah. Yeah, let's fucking go. So I cut you off before. You were about to say kind of how you got into heavy music. Um, Do you remember the moment that kind of you crossed over or like was it a moment or was it a gradual kind of E17 into, fuck, I don't, like rocks. Oh, no, maybe not rock set, but like, you know, was it a gradual thing or was it like fucking a light switch? I think it was a light switch. Yeah, okay. Because... I remember um, I used to try and tape Rage and just, yep. just sit at home and just just thrash Rage from like like tape VHSs of Rage yep. and every now and then like a heavier sort of song would come on like a yep. I don't know uh, maybe like a silver chair. Or, okay, yeah, yeah. So are we talking? Even, are we yeah. talking? Sorry, to interrupt. Are we talking? Um, yeah. like tape it from like 11 o'clock midnight or get up early in the morning, like say 6 a.m. and then tape the, the chart part of, part of it? No, yeah. So um, set the set the timer on the VHS. Yep, okay. Uh, make sure the VHS is set to long play. Long so, play, yep. So you get six yeah, hours, and, not three. Yeah, yep. and then you just uh, – then it would just hit record, start recording whenever it came on and uh, it would just roll and then eventually it would get to the point where it would just – cut off and, yep. you know, you don't get the whole rage program or the whole countdown or the whatever. The countdown portion of it, yeah. Yeah, so, <laughs> um, so cool. yeah, so then, and then the next morning or whatever, I'd get up and watch the tape and uh, and then I'd have the tape to go, go through everything again and, yeah, and I think, yeah, so bands that sort of, yeah. So, but before was, you go on, were you, yeah, um, yeah. were you, were you then making, compiling your own, film clip like did you have another video player where you were making like you were kind of keeping songs of that you liked or what were you kind of or it was just like you were recorded one week watch it all dig what you dug and then do it all again next week yeah pretty much that okay yeah 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 so but going back to the compilation thing what yep. i would do is i would sit in my bedroom with my cassette recorder listening to the radio and uh, there was specific countdowns that I would listen to on maybe like SAFM yep. or like they're they're the more the mainstream Adelaide radio stations, yep. Triple M or whatever they were called at the time, and I would have sort of memorized what songs came in at what positions. Okay, yeah, yeah. And when I think that a song that I liked was about to come on. Yep. I would have my finger on the record button ready to hit record. Yep. And so what I was trying to do was trying to make compilations of heavier songs that I I really liked. And, yeah, like, again, there was maybe like a Silverchair song, but the main band that I really loved at that time was The Prodigy. Wow, okay. And that that were probably the first heavy group that I really liked that I think – that sort of started to dig up tastes of for yeah for yeah heavier music I guess yeah, yeah that makes sense um what like was it just the aggression or did you like like did did you 
Did you vibe on the? I mean, as weird as this might sound, the, the mashup of electronics, and electronic music, and then punk or rock and metal. Like, was was it something that that captivated you, or was it just the general vibe of vibe of it all? I think it was just the vibe and yeah, yeah the heaviness of it, and also there was a bit of like the imagery that they used were yeah. like dark sort of imagery. And I saw like, it was a bit edgy and I really liked that. Cause you would have been watching the film, which you said as well. Yeah. 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 So and, what, and like, yeah, yeah sorry, go sorry. On. no, you go, you go, go. And then, um, yeah. And then from there sort of, um, like I'd, I'd lead on to heavier, like bands with heavy riffs and that. And yeah. I thought like, yeah, that, this is really cool. And, yeah, so that sort of introduced me to heavier music, I guess. Yeah. So what what kind of era prodigy was it? Was it like the um, was it the like breathe and smack my bitch up era, or was it the f- album before that? Like with uh, the, album before that, music for mu- um, music generation? for jilted generation. Yeah. yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Um and. Uh, yeah, it's sort of hard to describe because it, that one is still really such a s- electronic album, and yeah. I don't know if I really like. I think I was trying to discover what I liked at that time, and I think I I really loved the heaviness, but I didn't love the electronic side of it. That even though sense. they were still good songs, but yeah, and I still really enjoyed it. But I wanted something more. Like I wanted like the heavy singing and yep. I don't know, heavy riffs and, and that. So, yeah, yeah. So then kind of where do you go from Prodigy? Like what's the next, I guess, what's the next step beyond a Prodigy and how did you get there? Um, the next step would have been, um, so I've got a mate that is, goes by the same name as you actually. Uh, okay. He's playing a few bands um, here in Adelaide as well in later years. And uh, we went to primary school together and pretty much grew up listening to music, going to each other's house and showing each other's, uh, sharing each other's music collection and that. And we ended up going to different high schools and that. So we tried to catch up whenever we could. And this person sort of said, hey, have you listened to this band? And I'm just trying to think who the band was. It might have been Green Day. Okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Green Day. And um, yeah, sort of Green Day and Blink-182 were the first punkier bands that I started to get into. And uh, as I said before, early into in the interview, I used to be a swimmer and – Maybe it wasn't earlier in the interview. Sorry, no, that's a good. <laughs> that was the uh, pre-interview. Yeah, yeah. A, a swimmer, and I went on a interstate trip to go and compete over in Perth, and I had my uh, tape Walkman on me, and I can't remember what tape I took, or I think I made myself a compilation, and it sucked, and I was just like, <laughs> "This sucks. I, I, I can't listen to anything. I don't want to listen to any anything else of, of this." and uh, my parents didn't come with me. Like we were traveling as a state team. And yep. so I had this uh, spending money that was meant for food and stuff. <laughs> yep. Yep. So in the airport, when we landed in Perth, there was uh might've been a CC music and I went in and spent my food money on <laughs> a cassette tape of Green Day Dookie, I think it was. Yeah, yeah, it was Dookie. 
And oh, I loved it. Like no, no regrets through that whole trip. I just like smashed it and learned all the words and yep. uh, it was awesome. And that was sort of my main introduction to it. And then, yeah. So, and then, yeah, sorry. But uh, like, so how did you, why, um, you know, not why, but like was metal because I mean, like if you're listening to that kind of thing from the prodigy and you're after big guitar sounds and guitar riffs and that kind of thing, You've lit- it's literally, you know, the toss of a coin whether you go to the punk slash, you know, alternative sound or you go to metal. Like, what was the – what was – did you did, – did metal ever cross your path? Like, besides the obvious things like Metallica or what – and, you know, yeah, Metallica. Like, did metal, did metal ever kind of – did you ever have any interest in that or like it was um, – like, yeah, why, why punk – and why not metal? I think it might have been a little bit of influence from my parents because uh, they didn't like heavy music at all. And okay. I remember once I borrowed a Nirvana CD right. from a friend in primary school and I got home and I played it and mum was like, what is this? Yeah, right. And I was yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's this band. She's like, don't you don't you know who this band is? Don't you know this person killed themselves? You are not listening to this music. You are not listening to heavy music. Yeah. And I think as a as a bit of a kid that like that sort of has a bit of an effect on you. And so yeah. I I purposely didn't listen to it. And yep. I took it back the next day and said, Oh, thanks. I didn't get to listen to it, but you know, what I heard was cool. And yeah. Uh, I think I was just uh, I just don't think I had the avenues to okay. go into metal, whereas because I had a mate who was getting into punk and he also had a other older brother who was into punk and he was feeding stuff to us. Yeah. That's that was just like perfect uh perfect way of finding it, finding yeah. out about punk and especially the more underground stuff that um his older brother was listening to because we didn't have ways of discovering that sort of music. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you have us on that kind of sums up that, you know, do you have us on that kind of encapsulates, a, a, you know, a bit of more, bit more rebellious footy? Uh, well, I think we'll go with the Green Day song and we'll probably go with a song off of, Insomniac because okay. to me that's that's that was the, sort of the next album I got of theirs and that really like that was the album that, I feel like that's more of a punky album and so w- would Insomniac be your go-to if you were to put on a Green Day album now like would that be your- yes yeah it okay. would be like I I don't listen to Green Day but that's fair enough yeah yeah, um, they, if I had to listen to one, I would definitely listen to Insomniac. Yeah, okay. All right, yeah, let's go with uh, Stuck With Me. Sick, let's do that. Fuck yeah.
Green Day's a pretty cool band as an entry point to kind of open up a million and one different avenues, like, I guess, not below them, but, like, on an underground level because they had that big, you know, because they had a, such a strong history with Gilman Street and then all the bands that played around them. Were, was, were you kind of interested in digging that kind of info up or, like, were you just kind of stoked to, like, what, what, was, what made you kind of go beyond Green Day? Um, initially I wasn't, um, like when you're, when you're that age, you don't really know about underground yeah, music that's very culture true. or anything like that. So I, 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 I didn't have any aspirations to keep digging deeper or anything. Yep. I just wanted to hear like that style music okay, and different type of bands that I might know, but you know, I didn't really know many at the time. So my next um my next sort of stage in my punkness i guess yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> was someone um it was my mate's older brother he said oh you like green day oh if you like them you should check out pennywise or okay. check out no effects and i'm like oh okay no worries like are they like blink 182 sort of stuff and they're like oh Forget about Blink-182. <laughs> Those days are over. Compared to this stuff. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, okay. And I was always one for, you know, if if you wanted it, just go buy it sort of thing. So, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, what I remember some of my first pay packets as a 14-year-old kid going to, um, yeah, the local CD shop in, in, the, in the mall near my place and just, seeing what they had and just buying stuff from the punk section and yeah. not even knowing what it was. And, yeah, it was great. And I'd always buy compilations as well. That was sort of the main uh, resource for me discovering discovering new bands because yeah, absolutely. they were so cheap. Were, yeah. A lot of them were like $9.95 or whatever. And yep. it, I was like, sweet, I'll just buy <laughs> yeah. a bunch of this stuff. And I remember um, at, at the time, I think it might have been – Shock Records would have were having like a discount sale on a lot of stuff. So, okay, um, 
our CD store had a small like section, punk section that they would have got from Shock. And yeah, we, like the CDs were like nine bucks sort of thing. So I, I, I bought a stack of stuff. I think MXPX was one band, yep. uh, No Fun at All, and a whole heap of Nitro bands as well, like AFI and yep, all yep. the Nitro compilations, Gut of Mouth as well. And it, it was it was great. Like, and let me tell you, like this CD shop is is a shocker. It was like a sanity <laughs> sort of thing. So yeah, yeah. it wasn't a punk. Don't don't think it's like yeah, cool independent record store. It was like yeah. just this shocking CD store that just happened to like uh, be flogging off cheap punk CDs. And, yep. Yeah, yeah, because they then, saw the yeah, market yeah, yeah, and I just started, like, I just started buying, like, because I, I don't drink, I didn't party, I didn't do anything, so every every dollar I earned just went to buying CDs, and and like my 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 one of my favorite stories was, um, like the Royal Adelaide show. My parents gave me, I think it was forty bucks to go to the show with my friends. Yep. And, we got there first thing early in the morning and me and my mates, we just went around all day and they went on rides and bought show bags all day and ate food and all that. And I purposely like, I didn't go on a single thing. I didn't buy a single show bag and I didn't eat a single thing. I kept the 40 bucks in my bag. And then the next day I went out to um, CD shop and bought a bunch of no effects and that and oh it was wicked it was just That's like it's just great. it was just all i wanted to do like yeah. just listen and discover new music and yeah it was cool that's fucking red hot so you're around this time like i for i met you when you were obviously playing in bands what were you like when did you pick up bass was bass your first instrument um what kind of prompted you to yeah i guess start playing and, and how old were you when you first started playing Yep, so um, I think I started playing, um, trying to think. And why bass? Okay, yep, so I didn't I didn't learn an instrument as a kid. Like I learned violin for like six months when I was in primary school. Just because you had to? That, yeah, because I had to, but that was definitely not cool. So <laughs> I think it was... Ah, uh, fourteen or maybe in fifteen. Yeah. Um, I I started going to shows when I was about fifteen, and um, I used to go and see this band, Ninety Nine Reasons Why. Yep. Classic Adelaide punk band, like yep. amazing, and like again, same as the CDs. I as soon as I discovered the bands, I just wanted to keep going out and seeing them, going to shows and whatnot. And so one of the 99 reasons why we're one of the bands I w- would go and see. And one day I was talking to my uncle and he was saying that he works with this guy whose brother plays in 99 reasons why. I'm like, oh, okay. that's wicked. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. So um, I had this school project coming up where I had to interview someone that – I admire and um, yeah, just do an interview, like a school project on it. And yeah. so I asked my uncle if he could ask the guy he works with, if he could ask his brother if I could interview 99 Reasons Why. That's awesome. That's so and, cool. <laughs> so through the um, through the chain, uh, my uncle organized it all. And after band practice one night, like 99 band practice, yep. um, 
I rocked up, knocked on the jam room wall uh, door, and this little grommet walks in and ends up interviewing this uh, this band that I absolutely loved. Yeah, and I got an A plus on the uh, project, of course. Good and work. During the interview, um, the guitarist singer Sam he said that he started teaching guitar. And I'm like, oh, man, that is pretty cool. I'm like, can you teach me guitar? And he's like, yeah, man. So we exchanged numbers. And I think at first I wasn't too sure if I had aspirations of playing in a band or, like, really wanting to learn guitar. I just thought it was the coolest thing ever to be learning guitar from someone that you look up to and really admire and love their music. So I was like, sick, this is, like, the greatest thing ever. So. I started learning guitar from him uh, every week. Like my dad would draw, drive me over to um, their band practice, which was like half an hour away from where we lived. And wow. yeah, and so guitar was my first instrument. And then that sort of, um, as I start going to shows and meeting new people and seeing bands, I um, met the guys who we eventually became Stolen Youth and. Yep. They were looking for someone to play bass in the band. Like they all went to high school together and okay. form, formed the band at school. And uh, yeah, I said, "Well, I don't have a bass. I have a guitar, uh, an acoustic guitar. Like, <laughs> I, I, surely I can learn to play bass." And they're like, "Sweet, you're in." And so I went out and bought a hundred dollar bass and yep. never looked back. <laughs> Made it work. That's fucking great. That's awesome. So w- when you let me start again. How long into Stolen Youth were playing, like, and you know, writing and stuff? Did you jump in, or did they start off as a covers band because you know they all knew each other in high school? Or what was the, I guess, what was the early days of Stolen Youth like? Yeah, so they started in two thousand. Yep, and it was mainly just playing covers like Melancholin or MXPX, No Effects, all that sort of stuff, and yep. like playing at mates' parties and that, and. They had a couple of different bass players who um, who didn't work out or, you know, they weren't really interested in playing punk music or whatever. So yep. uh, they moved on and, um, uh, yeah, they had a couple of different band names early on as well. And then, yeah, I joined in 2002, so the band had been going for two years. Yep. Um, but it probably wasn't until about 2001 where they started to play some, you know, semi-decent shows like, apart from your parties or whatever, like backyard shows, or whatever. And then, yep. yeah, I think I, I sort of had this work ethic and like, I think with everything I do, I just want to go full on and I just, I, I just love it. Like I do with when I first discovered punk, when yep. I first start playing an instrument or going to shows, like I just want to go, yeah, this is me. I just want to go for it. And this sort of what I did with the band. Like I sort of joined the band, learned the songs and said, okay, guys, I'm going to start booking our shows and getting our name out there. And so that's what I sort of did. I sort of took a bit of a managerial role yeah. in the band. And, yeah. Was there ever was there ever the thought of, like, you know, back in 2001, 2002, was there ever the thought of touring it? Or was it like, was the, you know, were you just kind of like, yeah, we get to play with No No Reasons Why and, you know, whatever other local bands are kicking around. Like, was that good enough or was there always a goal to keep it going? Because you guys toured pretty, not relentlessly, but you guys were always, I felt like, you know, you always were coming through, you were coming through a fair bit. 
Like, or am I imagining that? Like, was your turn? No, we did. We did go pretty hard. Yeah. Um, I guess for me, every time I, I, I kept setting myself goals, like I'd love to play this venue. So then I book it and do it. And then I'd love to play with this band and I'd make it happen. Or not. And then it'd get to the point where like, okay, now it's time I want to, I want to play interstate, like, and yeah. the thought of playing interstate was like the most exciting thing ever. Like, yeah, going on a road trip with yep. four of your mates, staying at like the art house hotel, yeah, with, in that big that big yeah. room upstairs, yeah, like it was just nothing more exciting, and yeah, you know, um, so yeah, made that happen, and then okay, cool, we that we did that, and then actually, before like, you okay, go now, on, now you must have, and, before yeah, you go sorry. on, you must have. You you must have played the art house before I played the art house because I remember staying in that big room and seeing Stolen Youth written on the wall. And I was like, <laughs> that's a fucking great name. Like, I don't think we knew each other then, but I was like, that's a fucking great name. So, yeah, that's my little yeah. Stolen Youth, the entry into oh, Stolen thanks, Youth. Man. Yeah, yeah so- I think we played our first show there was in 2003. Like, okay. um, it was the eight-inch launch for Kragos's band, The Setup, and... Uh, and- Nigel Melder's other band, Demon Other. Oh yeah, so, yeah, okay. Yeah, so and you know that what a what a amazing first show to play with those bands. So how did you how did you tee that up? Like uh, I was just- friend, I'm friends with Kragos, and right, okay. We're always chatting on the net about bands or music or records or whatnot, and yeah, I just dropped the hey if anything ever comes up in Melbourne where. Um, we're there, yeah. and he said, "Actually, you know what? I've got this uh, launch show. You can open if you want." And yeah, we did it. An eight inch. I can't, I can't imagine how much of a pain in the ass that would have been to organise. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, that's awesome. See, yeah. you, you know, and yeah, so I get like, yeah, touring is fucking like, especially the early times when you start touring and you're just like, the world is literally like opening up, you know, and all these cool mm. things are happening. And, yeah, that's that's fucking great. So you you were – you kind of released your own music, did you, or like a stolen youth, or were you – like what's the story with the music you guys released, yeah, especially so, in the early days? Yeah, so in the early days we um, – yeah, we just we, – we always released our own music. Um, yeah. Uh, so uh, let me think. Before – no, as I joined Stolen Youth – I started a record label um, and it was called Two Bucks Records. Yep, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And like our first release was just like a compilation tape of bands that I used to help book essentially. Like I wasn't their booking agent or manager or anything. It was just bands that I liked that put on show that I'd put on shows for and stuff. So yeah, made like a cassette tape compilation and thought that went pretty well. And I thought, um, like the Stone Youth EP was about to come out and thought, oh, I'll just put this on, out on the label as well and see what happens. And, yep. yeah, then it sort of rolled from there. And although we did do that, um, release our own music, probably my greatest regret with the band, um, just before we released our album Unconscious in Orthodox, um, yep. Hoppo rele- um, offered to release it on Common Bond. Oh, right. Okay. And I was just like... It was like up until that point, we'd done everything ourselves. And I was just like, oh, I think we'll just 
do it ourselves. Like we're already that far ahead of like in release in coming to releasing it. Like I think we'll, we'll, artwork was just about oh, to be done. You're almost in the finish and, line with it. Yeah, and I was like, oh, it's going to be too hard. So like we'll just keep doing it ourselves. But I just wish we did do it on Common Bond because I love that label so yeah. much, and I think that would have taken the band to a different audience to what we were and potentially we could have done more things with other bands because i know is it stone youth has been a hard slog like oh man don't get me wrong oh, i can like, imagine yeah and after that like we we tried to sign to get signed to other labels after that and it, it just didn't yeah didn't happen or no one was interested and like for so that like, style okay, we'll music, just sorry yeah you go sorry yeah and, it, and we'll just like oh we'll just release it ourselves and it was always a bit of a bummer because i felt like we put put in the hard yards and i think the music was you know great good, yeah good enough yeah so our saying was always like too too hardcore for punks yeah too punk for hardcore yep. people so yeah, um, it always did sit in this sort of weird area. But I think there was also a big shift around mid to late 2000s in what was popular. And yep. I, don't, I just don't think we were playing a popular style of music. And that's that's cool. Like We just always played music that we loved. And yep. whoever liked us, that's awesome. Like, you yeah. know, great, you're, you're our mate sort of thing. Yep. But, um yeah. Yeah, we're, no. don't get me wrong. We did some cool shit. We toured with Propaganda. That's our favorite band. That's the reason yeah. why the band exists. Is a band. That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's so. awesome. Yeah, that's fucking great. All right, so I guess let's like let's pick a song from kind of you know post Green Day. Like you're you're buying all these compilations and you know Nitro Records comps, Fat comps, Epsaf comps, all that kind of kit and caboodle. What's the kind of what sound did like kind of summed up footy? You know around that time like right. the band's touring and you know you're you're yeah shit's all happening what yeah what kind of music what song sums you up for that area era okay so if we're going to go the band is started touring the band is starting to find its sound we're going to go with um first song off of today's empires and tomorrow's ashes oh. because once that came out and um, we all heard it. It yep. instantly became everyone in the band's favorite album, and yeah. we all collectively said, "This is what we want to sound like, and yeah. this is the band that we want to model our sound off of." And although I don't think we sound like Papa Candy, yeah. um, you know, that had a massive inspiration on us. So, I again, like I, I remember that album coming out and thinking, like these guys have done it, like they've. They've made it so, um, you know, you, you it proved you had to do it really well, and they had years of you know they had years and years of hard work behind them, but they could write a song that sounded like you know I always think the song Today's Empire's Tomorrow's Ashes sounds like a ten foot pole song, like it's yeah. you know that just flat out like not pop punk but like you know skate punk stuff, but then you've got all those other you know the the thrashier songs and the hardcore songs on the whole album so. Yeah, it's they kind of prove that it can be done, but yeah, they're probably the exception to the rule. Can you ever pronounce the name of that? Have you ever been able to pronounce the name of that first song? I can only ever say the first three words, okay. which is Mate Camoris. Then it's like something like 
Ukun Rasikan. That again, yeah. That that album was an absolute game changer. Like I don't know yeah. anyone that heard it and didn't love it straight away. Yeah, yeah. And I think, like, also lyrically, like, there's there's always been political punk, but this was political to an and uh, to another level. Like, just a level that wasn't really intelligent, and yeah, it wasn't just like screw the government, I hate cops sort of stuff. It was like the real deal. Again, you've done a whole bunch of other bands. Like, were there ever – were bands kind of running concurrently with Stolen Youth? Like, was, you know, uh, Crisis Alert – yeah, you did Crisis Alert. Oh, you did God Still Love the World as well. Did that kind of run in conjunction with? And how did you manage Um, all that? Well, everything has run in conjunction with Stolen Youth right. because, yeah, that was 
besides the greatest band ever, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that, which is when I started uh, with the game from Jungle Fever, like you know, before I even knew how to play an instrument. Um, it was it was it you, a, you, Gabe Dooley. Yep, and uh, Tim Salmon. Tim, that's right. Yeah, Tim. Okay, carry on. Um, Stone Youth, we'll just say Stone Youth is my first band. Yep. It's still going today, and that's 21 years later. So, wow, so you um, guys yeah. never officially, like, you guys haven't broken up? No. Nah, For some reason, nah, I assumed you yeah. had. Okay. No, nah, we fucking are still amazing. going. We still exist. We did plan on having a 20th birthday this year, but thank you, coronavirus. Yep. We've got another year to not have to worry about that. Yeah. Yep. So we'll have a 21st. <laughs> 21st uh, birthday. That's great. Yeah, that's yeah. unreal. Um, but um, yeah, so God So Love the World was the first band um, that we started during Stone Youth and God So Love the World gained legs very, very quickly and all of a sudden we're getting tours and stuff being thrown at us left, right and centre and that was like, I couldn't believe it, how quickly it all happened because what, like, I, I think was, that first, yeah. um, the, is it a 10-inch that you released first? No, nah, it was we did a demo first. Oh, okay, like that's CDR, right. Yeah, yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, yeah, and then we did another EP which came out as a ten inch, but the CD version also had the demo on it. On it. Yeah, yeah, like um, those songs yeah. were fucking great. Like, yeah, those songs were fucking great. But like, what, what do you think it was that kind of people flocked to that so quickly? Because the name, like, I obviously, you know, I know where I know the. Bible verse it came from, but like it's a pretty jarring name, and oh, how would I, you know, like it, you can easily put people off with that kind of name. And I guess putting people off probably wasn't the intention, but it was also a name that you kind of like you you had to stand behind. Yeah, but it still worked. Yeah, yeah, it's a strange one because when we started it, we we're like, all right, people are gonna hate us, but this is who we are and this is what we're going to do. And if anyone wants to come along for the ride, that's cool. And if not, then we'll just deal with the consequences. Yeah. And, you know, don't, don't get me wrong. We had some run-ins and stuff and, you know, nothing bad, but heated debates um, with people and bands and whatnot. And, but for the I was for the most part of it, it was surprisingly really, really positive. Yeah. And that was not something that we expected. Like we expected more of a backlash. And it was something all of us as a collective and individuals were ready to take. And before before we knew it, we were <laughs> we were signed to resist records touring yeah. Australia with Rise Against and I don't know, it was it was it was bizarre, but great at the same time because you know stolen youth on one hand we're like at this stage we're still blood sweat and tears battling like (laughs) driving from adelaide to brisbane and back to play shows and then because that's all we can afford then all of a sudden i start uh, this band got to love the world and it's like flying around the country in luxury (laughs) playing like a thousand to two thousand cap venues, like supporting big bands, and it's like, whoa, this is crazy. That's fucking wild. Was was um, oh, you know, please set set the record straight with this one. Was it was it Dan Jones's band or was it like a communal effort? Because I always thought it was kind of Dan Jones's 
and, and this isn't a diss at all because again I fucking thought that the demo the demo and the 10 inch were fucking fantastic but like was it his band that kind of you guys jumped on board for or was it a collective like you know the writing process and all that kind of jazz was it a collective thing I'll go I'll go as far as to say it was a Dan Jones band yep. but me and him had the early initial idea okay cool um and then and then we sort of Josh was playing with STR at the time and yep. so we sort of like well we're all good friends um and we floated the idea to him and like he was on board straight away so yeah like uh, the idea was like at the start was collective but i think just in you know you know Dan Jones yeah. as well as uh, as well as i do he's a very um uh driven person yeah, and yeah. he's like yeah this this is this is the band this is what we're going to sound like this yep. is what we're going to do Let's and this do is it. how we're going to do it and yeah. i was like sweet no worries um I'll play bass. I'll yeah. come along for the ride. Yeah. And, so who was know, in and that? I, and I, you, Dan, um, Josh, and who drum? And uh, Grebs or Matthew Grebs is his name. Um, he played in a couple of like smallish bands in okay. Adelaide, but yeah. Um, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Went on to play in a band called Franchise Life after Gods Love the World, and they were, they were okay. pretty cool. But uh, didn't really do much after that. But yeah, um, yeah. So then crisis alert? Um, then I started uh, joined Starvation. Oh, that's um, right. Sorry, yeah, you did mention that. Yep. Yeah, so that that was awesome. Like Starvation is honestly the funnest time I've ever had in a band. Awesome. Um, like I was sort of the last person to join the band because they were looking for a bass player and uh, like they hadn't played any shows, just jamming. And that's with um, like – I uh, don't know if you know Moose, but Moose is a bit of a king here in Adelaide. So, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and a bunch of like guys we've all that I've grown up with, with going to shows and going to see their bands, or they're coming to see my bands, and and that was amazing. Like, yep. again, it felt like j- like just being the bass player. Moose did all the all the writing and um, all the promotional or booking or whatnot, like. I'm sort of used to doing all that in Stone Youth. So whenever that happened in another band and I was more of a backseat driver, like yep. that was so much more relaxing and so much more enjoyable just yeah, to rock up imagine. and play play yeah. shows or just jam. So yeah. Yeah. And that was amazing. So that was really good to do. And um yeah, caused a lot of havoc on that <laughs> in that band. Like good. Let the hair down a little bit, or what? What's left of the hair? Yeah, and that's had, right. Had a lot yeah. of fun. Had a lot of fun on tour with with those guys. Unreal. Um. Did so then, like, okay. Where did like one thing that a lot of people would know you for? Obviously, besides your bands, is you own a like a record store in in the heart of Adelaide, Clarity Records. What like I remember when you started up, and I was like, this is fucking amazing. Like, and, uh, like. From it, you know, from a distance, I felt this sense of pride of like, my mate's going to have a crack at something. This is fucking unreal. Tell <laughs> us about like, I guess, how the planets lined up for that to all happen. Yeah, thank. Uh, first of all, thank you for having that feeling. That's Dude, nice to know like, that you uh, that you felt that seriously, way. Seriously, no, no, seriously. Like, I remember going like, I just want to buy everything. You know, anything Clarity Records you're selling, I just want to buy one just to <laughs> kind of support you. I've got Clarity Records shirts that don't fit me. 
and I knew they wouldn't fit me, but I was like, it doesn't matter. Like, I just need this shirt or whatever oh, it was. Thanks, yeah. Man. So, yeah. So, oh, I, I guess. You know, now you've heard my history about growing up with the music, starting my own lep- record label, like loving collecting and loving yep. just buying CDs and records and spending half my life in record stores. Um, so before I started my own, I was working in a record store. Okay. And I worked there for about five years uh, before they had to close down because of just basically the current climate, or not the current climate, but the climate at the time. At the time, yeah, yeah. For um, music stores. And it was quite a, like, it was Adelaide's largest independent store um, yep. in the hottest part of the city. So rent would have been enormous. Yeah. And plus the owner was a dodgy prick. So, <laughs> right. um, yeah. So he put a, he sort of fought upon their own demise. So I think that it was just the natural progression for me to want to do something like start my own record store because it, it had been something I'd always wanted to do um, in the back of my mind, whether that was realistic or just like, you know, sort of every kid that's into music is either sort of like, oh, how cool would it be to own or how cool would it be to work in a record yeah, store? But you, it doesn't you watched, necessarily happen. But You watched Empire I'll, Records and High Fidelity and you went, I can do yeah, this. Yeah, <laughs> exactly right. But there was a like, at the time, in um, just before 2000, and, no, it was 2010. Um, not only my store closed down, but a couple of other stores closed in the CBD. So I sort of like thought of it in a positive, thinking I could start something now, and you know, I could go the way of these other record stores, which seems to be the thing uh, around town, or I could just give it a red hot go and just make it work and mm. just do it because I love it. And yeah, it happened to be on that propaganda tour that I stayed at your place. Yep. Um, me and Laura were walking down King street and in Newtown and we're like, we'll just in the zone. We're just talking about if we had a record store, what we would do, where we would do it, how we would do it. And we just got so pumped on the idea that, as soon as we got home, we started drafting up business plans and wow. uh, coming up with a name and just putting all the steps in place in order to make it happen. And yep. yeah, and and then um, when the record store I worked at did close, I ended up buying a bunch of their racks. Like at, at this stage, I had no idea what I was going to do after that, but yeah. I bought the racks anyway, just in case, and I just chucked them in my shed at home and. Yep. Yeah, that was probably one of the smartest things <laughs> I've done in my life because that was essentially the fit out for our new sh- for our shop. And yeah, yeah, that that was the beginnings of Clarity Records. So, you know, be as humble or as whatever you want. You know, what do you think you're doing right to have a record store that's ten years old? You know, in this day and age, what do you think you're doing right that others? did wrong or, you know, kind of didn't make work. Like, I just can't imagine the struggle, you know, and everything that you're kind of up against, how do you keep it going 10 years later? Yep. Um, I think the most important thing for me was I learnt what not to do when I worked in my previous record store. Yep. Um, And that, yeah, like I said, the – Owner was dodgy. Yep. He took away from the business a lot. And, yeah. And I mean, that's the first sign of 
shit never working. Yeah. Like when you start yeah. taking more out of it than what you should be, it yeah, it yeah. falls apart. And, yeah. Yeah, and just um and because I learned so much from that experience, like with him, he he essentially wasn't a part of the business. He owned the business. He was just never there. So we essentially ran the business for him. And it wasn't us that ran it into the ground. It was, it was him taking thousands of dollars yeah. and putting it in his pocket every week. And yep. so learning how to run a business and not run a business were the the key elements to making it successful, but also just doing what I love. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I just love music. Um, what when the, the story is different um, now to what it was back then when it when it first opened. But yeah. I think also when like because I've grown up in the music community, I've made so many connections, made so many great friends and um I feel bad when I say this, like I'm not talking myself up whatsoever, but I feel like because I've been a mainstay, I've Yeah, a lifer. Been, yeah. I've like I've I've been around and I've I know what's up, I know what's going no I know what what Adelaide wants or yep. what Adelaide is yeah. um in terms of music. So um just learning with with, with all the connections are made and learning um, through previous experiences. I think that's how we've been able to survive. And also like, you know, people like Graham at Resist or Andy at Poison City, how they've been able to do the same thing. And yeah. uh, I, get, I get lots of inspiration from Graham. Like every time I walk into Resist, I'm like, man, yeah. this is a <laughs> yeah. cool shop. Like this is, yep. yeah, I don't know. So yeah, that, that's that's essentially it, and and just listening to what people want, um, yeah, and just just being humble and being real, not being a business essentially to take people's money or just to be a business. Like there's a lot of uh, Fugazi slash Discord within yeah my belief system. And there's always an Ian Mackay sitting on your shoulder, kind of yeah yeah it, always like or Ian Mackay's always constantly whispering yeah. in my ear and. <laughs> I'm just um, just want to be real with people and just do the things I love and and that's what's helped us survive and it's not the almighty dollar although it does help us to pay the bills yeah. like I feel like we're doing it for the right reasons and have survived because of it and like on top of that you've also did you release records as part of Clarity Records yeah or did you or like the Sex Wizard. And I'm trying to think of the other releases because I've brought a couple of them. That's did right. We, yeah. No, we we did. Um, we've done I think eleven releases. To oh date wow. Okay. As label. Yeah. When we when we started it, we didn't really want to be a record label. But <laughs> again, I blame Stolen Youth because yep. we came to release the Dark Century album and no one um, no one would touch it. So yeah. we were like, oh well, stuff it. Like yep. I just release it and I've. I, like the record store was a year old at that time and thought, yep. oh, you know, this it would it, be cool to coincide with like Resist was a store who puts out records. Yep. Poison City is a store who puts out records. Why can't Clarity do it? So Why thought, not? Yeah. We'll do it. And I got in contact with the great man, Stu Harvey, who yes. was working at Shot Records at the, at the time and yep. said, 
this is what I'm thinking about doing. Um, I know it's probably not um, like going to be the biggest seller, but would Shock be interested in distributing um, uh, Clarity releases? And he was like, "Shit, yeah, of course." So, you know, I got I got lots to thank for Stu Harvey with yeah. the, in the early days when he was working at Shock and helping get the um, Clarity releases out to everyone. That's fantastic because that would open so many doors. You know. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And, like, you know, we went, like, the label isn't exactly um, the busiest. Like, we maybe put out one or two releases a year, but okay, um, it, it's it's still cool to have on the side and it was cool to yeah. have someone like Stu say, yeah, like, great, we'll, we'll support you and get, get your releases out as far as we can. Incredible. Fucking, that's fantastic. So I guess, like, unless there's any more you kind of want to touch on, how, how's the uh, how's the record collection going? It it got th- the herd got thinned a while ago. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. just because I've never been great with money. I've never been great with money. I fucking yeah, like I'm just I'm fucking useless at it. So like, you know, <laughs> records and instruments are the first things to go when you know times get tough or whatever. Um. But saying that, like, over the last few weeks, I've kind of been buying just stuff that, like, I'm like, I just, I like, my wife bought me a, a relatively cool turntable. I mean, you know, it, it was a cool turn. It is a cool turntable last year. Um, you know, $500 um, Audio Technica bit of gear, nice. which is fucking cool. And, um, you know, like, she bought me that. And so I was like, well, I should really, you know, start doing this. And I wanted to have something for, so my son Cody's like three and a half. Yeah. So I wanted to have something to kind of like when he gets older to kind of have the experience that you had, like yep. you know, and not you know, not to obviously based off you, but like to like instead of just picking up a phone and opening up Spotify or whatever and da da like and doing that, I want the opportunity to be there to be like, what does Dad listen to? What like why is there you know what what is offspring smash why is there a skeleton on this or like you know why why is there a naked baby on this album cover swimming in a pool like I wonder what this music's all about and I want to have I want to offer him that opportunity if he takes it fantastic if he doesn't I've still got the records that I listen to and it's a fun experience for me but like yeah. I want him to be in awe of that like looking at something going. I don't know what this is, but this is this is cool looking, you know, whatever it may yep. be. Um, so I'm slowly kind of building up the classics. I'm kind of yep. yeah, I'm I'm starting to kind of yeah, build up classics and stuff. It's kind of I guess where I'm at now. Yeah. Nice. And how's Cody going? Fantastic. Yeah, it's oh, having a kid. So you know, good. and you know, and you know what's fucking amazing? I watch Ruby. Like I not watch Ruby. That sounds really weird. I watch <laughs> I watch what you post about Ruby and go. I don't want to write off like where he's at right now because he's like three and a half. Like I don't want to fast track this, but yeah. fuck, I can't wait till he, if he chooses to play guitar or whatever and do that, like, you know, yeah. I just like, and if he plays music, fantastic, but I just can't wait to be like, do like, I want him to do something of his own volition because he wants to do it. And it could be soccer or it could be mm. rapping or it could be whatever. <laughs> But like I yeah. want him to do it because he wants to do it, and and he teaches not he teaches himself, but like he he kind of picks up the skills 
outside of me and my and Nicole kind of thing. Yeah. 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 That's it's so exciting. Like, and it's 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 amazing to see them grow. Like, and it's it, it it's it's always a little bit heartbreaking seeing them grow so fast oh, as dude. well because yeah. you know like those those younger years where they're just so small and so like finding like finding their way in the world which they still are but yeah. like you know just they change and it's like yeah oh man like it's just mind-blowing how much they change yeah you're like oh and i also miss like the things you used to do when you're smaller and it's such a like oh, it just throws you it throws you out so much but it's yeah it's just yeah. so amazing being a parent like nothing uh i don't know can prepare you Fuck for no. the uh yeah for for it and it's just the best thing in the world like just seeing ruby grow up and yeah. become the person that she is now and continues to grow to be is like the greatest thing i think you know that's that's a nice place to kind of wrap it up um thank you so much for chatting to me mate oh, that's I've, all right i've had a fucking fantastic time we're almost about to clock two hours and i've had a fucking fantastic time so <laughs> No worries. No, it's been great. But I can leave you with one final song if you want. That's what I'm after. That's like lay it on me. Where are we? All right. Footy okay. 2020. Where are, where I am at right now. Please do. Life is pretty good. Yep. No, sorry. Life is great. Um, I've I've started a new band. Okay. Uh, I don't we don't have a name, but um, me and my mate, uh, his name's Alex. We've been talking about doing a Fugazi band for at least 10 years. Okay. And probably about 10 years ago, we had a jam with a bunch of guys and it didn't really work out. So we didn't end up having another jam or, you know, everyone was too lazy to have a second jam. Yep. So 10 years later, um, the, the flame's <laughs> if, still if there. I'm going to tell the full story. Oh, but... lay it on me. I, I want the content. <laughs> I love stories. Just lay it on me as I'll much detail as you year. can give me. October last year, me, Ruby, and Laura, we did uh, a family holiday to Europe. Um, I bought it as a family ho- um, tri- uh, like sorry, I bought it as a surprise to Laura for her birthday. Yep, she's always wanted to go to Iceland, so we went. We went to London, Iceland, Berlin. You did Northern Lights, didn't Paris. you? Where am I imagining? Yeah, them? yeah, we yep. saw the Northern Lights and yep. everything, and so we spent a week driving the whole country of Iceland, which. Dude, like I'm, I can't even use words to describe how amazing it was. Yeah, and my goal was to see Northern Lights, so I would stay up every single night in like zero degree weather, snowing in mountains, yeah, mountain peaks in forests, like pitch black, just sitting on a rock or on a in the bush by myself, just looking up at the sky. And because before not, you go on, it's not yeah. like I only found out this recently. It's yeah. not guaranteed, is it? It is not guaranteed. You have to go to the right time of year. You have to get the right weather. You have to get the right um, visibility. Uh, it has to be dark. There can't be cloud cover. Like all, all these factors have to be perfect. Yeah, okay. Also, you also have to, to help her, you have to have the right technology as well um, when it comes to the camera because all those photos you say on the internet are not necessarily how they look because the camera with the slow, slow shutter speed bring out all the colors and everything. So lucky Laura has a really fancy Canon camera. Okay. So when, we, when we're watching the Northern Lights, you're watching it, and, but then you're looking at the screen and you're seeing all these amazing things it's doing on the screen as well. Makes it a lot more clearer. Okay. I think it depends on the activity. Yeah. But anyway, um, 
and and to go with that as well every single night like we we didn't see it i i was sleeping like one to two hours a night in the freezing cold just like <laughs> looking up at the sky yeah. rugged up and i'm like we're not gonna see it we're not gonna see it like laura's sleeping in like the cabin or whatever and I've, i was like i'll wake you up if i see it anyway um, but it wasn't until the very, very last night. It was literally like five hours before we had to fly out to. Oh no! <laughs> in um, uh, where we're going next, like to Berlin next. Yep. Um, where we decided, like, we're going to stay up, and all the conditions were perfect, and it 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 came out, and it just couldn't have been a better night. Like we did an all nighter, just taking photos all night while Ruby slept in the car. <laughs> Was she bummed she missed it? Did she understand? Uh, she understood. She wasn't bummed. She got to see all the photos, so okay. she was pretty, pretty excited about it. Yep. But one of the nights, I was sitting up on a rock in a mountain all by myself, just like looking up at the sky and just pondering life as you do it. Yeah, understandably. Three o'clock in the morning in the Northern Hemisphere. <laughs> and um, I was like, I just, I got really upset at myself because I – my creativity had sort of hit a bit of an all-time low. Okay. Like. Yeah, output, you mean, con- creative output. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'd become content with where I was in life. Like I wasn't doing any music besides Stone Youth, who was pretty much, we play one show a year and we've been writing an album for the last 10 years. Yeah. And I was just like, this isn't good enough. Like this is not me. This is not what I want to do. Um, I want to be creative. I want to be playing music. Um, and I want to be doing what I like, like being creative, like in the way I want to be creative. So when I got home, I hit up my mate Alex and was like, told him the story about how I was standing, sitting (laughs) up in the mountain in Iceland. And I'm like, remember that Fugazi band that we been talking about the last 10 years? Well, it's going to happen. And so, um, started this this year we've been jamming nearly every week and it's like I've never played guitar in a band besides of course the greatest band ever the greatest band ever that's right <laughs> and now I um, uh, SG 60, 61 um, fuck yep and it is the most beautiful guitar I've ever played and I've been playing since then I've been playing guitar literally every single day writing heaps of music yeah um, and we've got about five or six songs, no name yet. and Just the um, two of you? Um, no, we've also got this drummer. Here's another story for you. <laughs> Go for it. So, I met this guy. He moved to Adelaide. He's from D.C. Wow, okay. And so he's got he, it in his veins already. Oh, dude, he goes deeper. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so when I met him, he said um, they recently moved to Adelaide because his wife's from Adelaide and um, – yeah, Adelaide was going to be their home. And so we kept in touch. I think it was 2012 or 13 that I met him. And so we kept in touch through the years and stuff. He comes to the shop and buys records and that. And um, over in DC, he played drums in a band called The Coastals. And um, they weren't signed to Discord, but they were um, being distroed by Discord. Okay. And, um, he was saying how much. Imakai actually really loved the band and um, were on the verge of signing to Discord before they sort of broke up and he moved to Australia. Yeah. 
And so, um, yeah, and he sort of grew up with the whole DC scene and playing like with Fugazi and all those Rev summer bands and stuff like that. Yep. So, and he's an amazing drummer. And so we recruited him Fuck and yeah. yeah, like a DC drummer for a Fugazi style <laughs> band. Like That's he just awesome. couldn't be, couldn't be any more perfect. Um, we don't have a bass player yet, but, um, yeah, it's been honestly, uh, very, uh, what's the word? Just yeah, playing in this band has been giving me a new uh, lease of life. That's amazing. It's, yeah, it's been such so refreshing. So let's finish off with the Fagazi song. Let's do that. That's fucking uh, perfect. <laughs> what are we gonna go with? Uh, so we're gonna go with um, Fagazi. Um, and take your time because I can just edit it out so it sounds like you just dropped it straight away. So if you need to if you need to reference something, f- feel free to. That is exactly what I'm going. Yeah, cool. <laughs> have you done any like I'll cut this part out, but have you done any like rehearsal room demos? Um, iPhone recording demos. Dude, you need to send. I still need. I need to hear this. This is fucking brilliant. It's yeah. Uh, it's so shit. It's like. Ah right. Okay. <laughs> it's Bummer. that bad. But. Um, we are going to go with Suggestion oh. from 13 Songs. But, like, did was did Suggestion ever appear on your Rage videos? Never. I never recorded a Fugazi song on my uh, Rage videos. Right. I, you know, again, not to make it about me, but, like, I remember – I remember constantly seeing that. I remember constantly seeing suggestion with um, Ian McKay, and I'm going to say he's white SG. He would have been playing at the time, and I could just, I could never, like, I was too young to understand what the fuck he was going on about. I just yeah. remember him yelling, uh, "Is it your mother is your girlfriend is?" And I was just like, "What are you? What is this about?" Like later mm. on, you kind of understand it, but yeah, like, what a fucking song. Yeah, and and I agree. Like later on in life, it, like when I was a young punk discovering new music, I remember <laughs> listening to the song "Repeater" by yep. Fugazi. And after, like, had I, I was already into Minor Threat and stuff, and I listened to it, I'm like, "Huh, I don't get it." <laughs> yeah, that's like, right. You know, this is not Minor Threat. Yeah, this is. Why do people like this? Yeah. And it wasn't until, like, as I got older and started to listening to more Fugazi and understanding more about Fugazi, yep. where I was like, could this be the greatest band that ever lived? Quite, <laughs> oy, quite possibly. <laughs> quite possibly. Quite possibly. Who knows? But, yeah, suggestion, like, and one, one um, like, there's a film clip of, I think it, her name is Amy Farina. She sings... Uh, the song suggestion live it's on youtube like okay. look it up like fagazi amy farina whatever it is amazing like when i first watched that clip i was just like this is yeah this is just so powerful yeah. and just so in your face and do you want to do that version or do you want to do the fagazi version i can't remember the quality of it okay so maybe we'll just <laughs> we'll see with the original up, um, with the original um but yeah, because because the Amy Farina one is live with Fugazi, so oh right, okay, right, yeah, right, right. okay, guest vocals. Yep. Um, but yeah, go out, go with uh, the original studio recording of Fugazi suggestion of thirteen songs, mate. This has been fucking brilliant. 
It's been f- I I have loved every f- we're two hours five minutes and thirteen seconds into it, and I've loved every one of those seconds. Oh no worries, man! Thanks for having me, and it's been an absolute pleasure like to catch up. Like it's been too long.
Thank you very much for sticking around right to the end. Um, appreciate you listening. You know, tell a friend, tell a foe, share the love, and uh, we'll do it again in a few weeks. Take care. Kill. Everybody knows the fight was fixed. The poor stay poor, the rich get rich. That's how it goes. Everybody knows Everybody knows that the boat is leaking Everybody knows the captain lied Everybody got this broken feeling Like their father or their dog just died Everybody talking to their pockets Everybody wants Box of chocolates and the long stem rose. Everybody knows. Everybody knows that you love me, baby. Everybody knows that you really do. Everybody knows that you've been faithful. Everybody knows you've been discreet But there were so many people you just had to meet Without your clothes And everybody knows Everybody knows Everybody knows That's how it goes Everybody knows 
that it's moving fast Everybody knows that the naked man and woman But just a shining artifact of the past Everybody knows the scene is dead But there's gonna be a meter on your bed That will disclose what everybody knows And everybody knows that you're in trouble Everybody knows what you've been through From the bloody cross on top of Calvary To the beach in Malibu Everybody knows it's coming upon Take one last look at this sacred heart before it blows And everybody knows Everybody knows Everybody knows That's how it Everybody knows, everybody knows, that's how it goes.